You're listening to TemperCap Growth Stories, a Meledra Digital production. To find out more about TemperCap, visit tempercap.com. Hello, and welcome to TempoCap Growth Stories. My name is Philip Meindl. I'm an investment partner at TempoCap. I focus on our businesses in the Dach region, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and I do that out of our office in Berlin. So what's TempoCap Growth Stories? TempoCap Growth Stories is a video series where we invite some of our most inspirational leaders in our portfolio businesses to sit down and talk about some of the lessons that they've learned running a business, scaling it, um, and, and really understand what growth means to them some of the strategies and tactics that they employ to achieve growth, and then ultimately give an outlook on, on where they take their businesses in the future. To find out more about the series, please visit our website or go to our LinkedIn to find all of the episodes and some more information. So it's a huge pleasure for me to today introduce Tobias Wann as our guest. Tobias is the CEO of Xempus. Xempus is a Munich-based software platform for the distribution and management of insurance policies. Today, Tobias will be sharing some of his stories of um, running a company from the inside um, and hopefully some of the lessons that he's learned and also some of the challenges he's facing as he's scaling the business. There'll be a lot to unpack here today. Uh, I'm really, really excited to have Tobias here. Thank you so much for taking the time and coming on board. Um, and I look forward to a really sort of frank and, and, and open conversation about the business. Tobias, great to have you here again. Thank you very much. Um, I'd love to really start by having you tell us a little bit about your journey and tell you your story, your background, where you've come from and all of the experiences that have shaped you as a leader until today. Thank you. Thank you, first of all, Philip, for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here. Um, my name is Tobias Wann. I am CEO of Xempus. Uh, I started uh, about 15 months ago in August of 2021. We uh, are a provider um, uh, for basically uh, distribution and management of insurance policies and uh, we're proudly backed by TempoCap here, so uh, thank you very much for uh, that commitment and trust. Uh, my story is um, a story of, I guess by now, uh, 20 plus years of technology. I started uh, in uh, back in university days, um, uh, my own company. Uh, uh, I think I scared the hell out of my mother uh, when I did that because uh, she obviously always wanted to make sure I finished my uh, university degree, um, which I finally did. Uh, but I took a little detour uh, and uh, um, built a company in the uh, IT infrastructure, IT security space. Uh, that was also my first. Uh, time I got basically in touch with uh, venture capital and, and the idea of actually taking on uh, growth capital to build uh, or to, to increase velocity and speed. Uh, we were finally able to uh, build and sell that company to Verizon, which uh, uh, still is a large um, IT infrastructure um, provider uh, in the US. Uh, I was uh, then many years at Verizon uh, in various roles. I first built the German business, then um, I did a couple of uh, M&A type of roles uh, and, and, and strategic development type of roles. 
and, and, and ultimately uh, ran the European business for Verisign. And uh, yeah. then uh, I did what I would call today a personal pivot. Not that I knew that word probably back then, um, but I moved from this B2B IT infrastructure uh, into the B2C online travel world, uh, joined HomeAway, uh, another US company, uh, right before their IPO, um, and then uh, was general manager uh, and VP for HomeAway in Europe uh, for a couple of years. Uh, very interesting ride also. Uh, taught me a lot about uh, basically how to exercise uh, and a, a really good buy and build strategy. Um, ultimately, that was a full success in a sense of uh, that the company got sold to Expedia for close to four billion. Um, and uh, it was time for me to move on. Uh, and I became CEO of an Amsterdam based online travel company called At Leisure. And we repeated kind of the same playbook uh, at a slightly smaller scale, uh, ultimately selling that company to uh, Oyo, uh, a very large uh, global uh, hospitality company. Timing is everything. Um, did this in May 2019. Uh, a word that we're all used to right now. COVID wasn't a word back then. Um, I stayed up until uh, mid of 2020, took a year off, uh, and then, as I said, joined Xempus in 2021. That's a bit of my story. Um, as you can see, it's, it's, it's been a bit of everything, entrepreneurship, it's B2B IT infrastructure, it's B2C online travel, and it's now the very interesting topic of um, insurance, insured tech, um, and, and the world of uh, corporate distribution and management of insurance policies. Great, thank you very much. I think before we start talking a little bit about the business, I, I want to just double click on, on some of the experiences in your background. I mean, hugely impressive career that you've got behind you and, and obviously in front of you as well with, with Xempus. But um, you, you've come into Xempus now into this business about 15 months ago um, as a CEO. You haven't founded the business. However, you've had the same experiences being a founder, um, you know, being a CEO. Um, what does this mean to you and, and kind of how, how does this shape the way you know you run your business day to day not you know not having started the business um, and the different dynamics that come with mm. this having had all of those experiences look um, obviously when I was a founder I was in my 20s uh, so that was an interesting way to start a career uh, um, and I'm um, I mean, I mean this in a way that normally, if you do decide for a classic career, you start in a usually in a, some type of a specialist role, and you de develop through the ranks. And, and 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 what is also important and very helpful is usually in this type of setup, you do have mentors along the way. Right, you, you have someone that likes you, that sees the performance you're delivering, that um, kind of helps you making the right career decisions and so on. When you start as a founder, it's exactly the other way around. And, and I'm not, I mean, there's no good or bad. You just have to uh, acknowledge the fact that 
uh, you you don't know a lot about the business, especially if you're in your 20s. Uh, you take on a couple million in capital based on promises. And honestly, this is what I call business plans. It's, it's well thought through promises, right? Um, you start hiring people that are, I guess, in, at least in my case, older than you and, and have family and, and, and put a lot of faith in you and, and, and all of these type of things. Um, and then you just figure it out as, uh, along the way. Um, so this was my story, obviously, and uh, I, I took away a lot from that. Uh, obviously because I, this is how I had to run the business back then and this is how I developed personally. And then I, I think I, what I, specifically for me, I took some of these learnings and habits into my managerial career that followed. Um, so, and, and I guess what, what helped me and, and, and what was always important for me and, 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 and the roles that I had that I even when I was a CEO or GM or VP or whatsoever, um, I, I probably took a very entrepreneurial way of running things. Uh, and, and that worked out in the environments I picked and, and, and the companies I worked for, uh, but it probably also completely limited me towards uh, big corporates, consulting, right. investment banking, these type of roles, right? Because I would have totally failed. Um, so I think this is a long answer to your great question, but um, I guess when you look at the, the personal development, if you look at yourself, always make sure that you, you know about your strength um, and then try to find environments where you can actually really use these strengths. I think that's, that's great advice. And then obviously it comes with um, plenty of challenges as well, right? So you're entering a business that's clearly doing something right. Um, you know, you, you found it attractive enough to join and we were excited for, for you to join. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's then time to put your own stamp on it, right? You know, to use the tools that you have at your disposal to, you know, change the direction of the company, accelerate the, the growth of the company. How, how, Help me understand a little bit, you know, some of the challenges that, that you're, you know, probably still to this day kind of trying to overcome in, in an established organization. And then how do you fit into it and, and, and how does the organization mold around you as well? Yeah, so, so building on what I just said, uh, the, the, I mean, I, I picked usually, I picked my roles and the challenges really depending on where I thought I can add real, real value, right? I mean, look, I was, I was in IT, I was in the IT infrastructure world, I was in the online travel world, I'm now in the insurance fintech world, right? So uh, uh, this was, I, I'm, not, I'm not the typical fintech expert that has actually learned the ropes for 20 or 30 years. So in, uh, when, when, when I picked, uh, um, or when I was considered for the Xempus role, and when I actually started to kind of have conversations with people at Xempus and also in the industry, I felt the, the value I can, I can add here is that I, there's a great product in a, in a fast moving market. Um, what sometimes fast-growing companies in, 
in, in these type of setups face is, is, is the challenge of structure and, 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 and really how to kind of develop and, and, and where to place the bets um, and making sure that, that you basically funnel your strength. Um, and, and, and that's, that's what I saw um, at Xempus, the opportunity to do that. I think with companies, you, you ask about general challenges. I mean, companies that, that are in an environment like Sempus or in, in, in the previous companies I worked for, um, one of the biggest risks is that you are not focusing enough because you just have that many opportunities in front of you. Um, and to kind of really make hard decisions and then decide to kind of walk this way is, is a strength that needs to be deployed in environments like that. I think, I think great points. Um, one of the things that you've, you've briefly touched upon is, you know, one of the strengths I think you bring into the, is, into the business is that you haven't come from the insurance industry and you've come with a fresh pair of eyes and lots of tool sets around technology. Um, but it's a very you know, complex industry that, that Xempus is in. Um, complex business model, lots of different stakeholders, large organizations, incumbents that you're dealing with. So I think um, bringing a fresh pair of eyes, having seen how to execute in other industries actually is, is a huge advantage as well. And obviously there's tons of insurance experts in the business already. So kind of working with them uh, makes tons of sense. I think just switching gears a little bit for, for, for those not familiar with Xempus yet, uh, it'd be great if you could um, give a little bit of an overview mm -hmm. of, of the company and what they do. Perhaps from my perspective, um, it'd be interesting also for you to touch upon kind of the why I think as an investor, we when we start thinking about investing in businesses, that's that's kind of where we start. Um, you know, why does this product exist? Is, is mm -hmm. there really a need for this? Um, obviously, we look at numbers and, and we understand growth and we think there's something here, but we want to start with why. And actually, I think for Xempus, um, it's it's uh, there's there's a huge why, right? Like there's there's a huge problem that it's solving um, and, and and an incredible need. It's not just sort of a software platform that's getting some efficiencies out left and right and, and sort of making processes a little bit smoother. It's, it's all that, but really there, there's a huge reason behind it. And I think it's probably best, best coming from you and for the viewers also to understand what Xempus really does. Yeah, I mean, there's this famous quote, start with why. And, and uh, the, um, I asked the exact same questions 15 or 18 months ago when I was um, about to decide what to do next. Um, and, and, and especially in in a more and more purpose-driven world, uh, uh, I think people do um, rightfully ask these questions, employees ask these questions, customers ask these questions. So the why of Xempus is there's a, there's a technical version of it and I could tell that, but there is, there's a bigger purpose indeed behind what the company does. Um, we are uh, uh, basically the origin of the company is in the corporate pension world. And when you are dealing with corporate pensions, you're dealing with one of the biggest topics, I'd say, um, that uh, employees uh, currently have, uh, which is the pension gap. Um, so an employee would think, obviously, of a pension, or in this case, a corporate pension, because they are realizing um, and probably agreeing to the fact that uh, state pension isn't enough when they retire and uh, that they need to start taking care of that pension gap themselves because states will not be able to do that and will actually increasingly 
be able to do this less and less and less, right? So the that's the idea behind uh, uh, the company, and the problem is a four hundred trillion dollar problem over the next twenty plus years. So it's not trivial. It's not small, and the obviously the next question should be is if you have such a big problem and if every, everybody acknowledged the fact that there is a problem like that why is no one really doing it the way it should be done and there is where my conviction comes from that it's a difficult problem to understand and it's a difficult kind of problem to find an answer on yourself and there is where technology, technology can really help and this is what Xempus does. We are able to explain the problem to the individual employees much much better than probably someone would be able to do when they are sitting down in a one-on-one -on -one environment with pen and paper and try to actually tell you what, what, what to do. So we can actually show employees what their pension gap is looking like we can help setting up the right framework for corporates to support their employees. And then we are bringing in all the relevant stakeholders around this process, which is um, by nature of the product, you have experts advising uh, corporates and you have experts advising employees. And then you have uh, usually insurance companies providing um, uh, the policies uh, um, for, for, for corporates and for employees and we have all these stakeholders on our platform um, and with our technology we help everybody to be able to kind of explain the problem better, understand the problem better and once a framework is established then manage pensions. That's, that's what Xempus does. That's where we come from. Uh, I think it's also worth discussing a bit, I mean, what will come in the future. Um, uh, so whatever we do on the corporate pension side is something that works in similar other products as well. So um, you have similar issues on the health side, for example, mm -hmm. where the coverage that um, employees or people have um, isn't really enough to make sure that you have the the right and the full coverage and again uh, corporate and the corporate framework is a really really good place for coming up with protection here as well so on top of corporate pensions where we started we now also do corporate health and tomorrow we'll probably do other things like corporate income protection so you see the overall idea is to to use the corporate background and the benefits of a corporate setup um, in making sure that people have the right coverage for health, for pension, and, um, and, and, and for income. And as you say, it's, it's, it's a large-scale pro um, problem that doesn't just exist in Germany, it exists in you know, almost, almost any country we can, we can think of. And, Correct. And, and so that's why really technology is, is the right way to solve it. You know, it, it has been tried to be solved purely by humans, um, and I think having technology that helps humans because they are still very important in the journey as we very well know um, there's lots of stakeholders in, in, in this whole process um, technology is the one that can really accelerate this and kind of tackle this problem right. because the way it's working right now it's it's obviously not working correct 
So now that we've talked a little bit about um, what, what Xampus does and, and the business, um, I want to switch gears and um, talk a little bit about, which is an important part for you running a business. Um, you know, you have a board of directors, you have investors in your company and understand a little bit how you view, view the relationship between investors and the operators in the company, a little bit their role where, where they can really help and, you know, when is the time for them, you know, to, to know exactly what, what their place is and, and, and do the right things for you as, as a CEO. So, um, We've invested in the business um, last year, um, I think in the mi middle of 2020, um, our proud shareholder, and since then lots has happened. The business has raised over $70 million of capital, has, has accelerated very well, has strengthened its management team. And I think f from my perspective, there's, there's sort of multiple ways you can approach it as an investor, um, and it really depends on kind of the stage the business is in, but then also the, the economic environment that the business is in. So sometimes when when things are going incredibly well and there, there's a lot of momentum in the business and the management team is, is in a groove i think it's it's important also let, to let management you know run the business and and kind of go their path that they've set out um, at the same time when things aren't going as smoothly sometimes this is this is the moment where investors can show a little bit of value add become a sounding board for 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 the um for the management team um help obviously um whether it's bringing great talent in or ultimately the most important one, bringing customers into the business and, and, and generating revenue. Um, I'd love to get your, your perspective on this a little bit, but I think the, the single most important thing as, as an investor that we, we have or the biggest asset that we have is, is tons of data points. So mm. you run your business and you're very, very deeply involved in, in the business and know every aspect of it. And we're, we're always one step removed from that, but we have the benefit of seeing tons of businesses. So we, we have lots of businesses in our own portfolio, but then uh, we go through hundreds and hundreds of companies every single year looking at them. And some of them might be facing the same challenges and might have solved them or might have taken a wrong turn and, and, and are really struggling with that. And so for, for us, I feel this is, this is sometimes where we can sit together and benchmark a little bit. You know, how are you doing on this journey? Has this been done before? Is there some lessons to be taken from other um, from other um, companies that, that have faced this. So I'd love to get your yeah. experience a little bit. You've worked with many uh, different investors on different boards and different companies and how you view that relationship. Um, so I think you touched on a lot of very important things. I would want to comment on one specific item that you said. You said you have, usually you see investors um, potentially not being as involved in times when the business is growing and, and running well and, and getting a bit more involved in times when they are more challenging. Um, my wish in general um, for this relation between investors and, 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 and management and, and operators is that you have kind of a modus operandi where you do work at the same kind of intensity no matter what time it is, right? And, and I, I feel um, investors can add a lot of value in times when there is growth and in times when uh, um, all traffic lights are green and, and the engine is, is, is running um, because that's also where uh, crucial decisions are made and sometimes mm -hmm. also mistakes are happening um, that uh, that can be potentially course-corrected early. Uh, in the same time, 
I think there is a tendency, obviously, when things become a bit more difficult, to lean in too much from an investor perspective and say, oh, oh, oh uh, I need to make sure that basically I, 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 I take over control. So, and I've seen this in, in, in many ways uh, and shapes and forms in, over the last 20 plus years. Um, the best boards I've worked with were the ones that, that were really inter gen genuinely interested in basically what the company does and, and how they develop. Not just financials, which is another thing that you do actually see quite often um, in, in VC-backed companies, but um, coming in and, and, and literally trying to understand exactly what are the success factors of this business and what are some of the decisions to be made and, 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 and these type of things. At Xampus, I feel we do have that, which is great. I haven't seen this in my career at, at, at every point. So um, uh, ultimately, when I had a situation where I felt we were just talking about numbers and, and just talking about basically budget and budget achievement and, and these type of things, I tried to kind of course correct. And, and what you can do, and this is an advice I would give to um, other CEOs and founders is um, when you feel that you that th these conversations are not as full or as holistic as you wish them, bring in people to the board that can actually put a different perspective on it. Um, bring in industry experts. Mm -hmm. Bring in people who are basically by their nature um, uh, not folks that would comment on numbers, but folks that would comment on trends they see in the industry or operators, they may, they may have been operators in this industry and then come back and tell you um, or have good advice for you. So ultimately what it comes down to, to have a really, it's, it's all about balance, right? It's balance and engagement and it's also balance and content. Um, and if you get there uh, um, with your investors and with your advisors, um, you feel that and, uh, uh, and all of a sudden a supervisory board meeting or whatever really becomes something that you're looking forward to because it's a place where you can bring your questions and problems um, and you get the right answers. I couldn't agree more. I think um, we're huge believers in industry experts and, and, and independent board members on a board that bring a very different perspective, different experiences, so I think that's great. And I think what you're saying about sometimes a singular focus on, on financials, couldn't agree more. The reality is that it's somewhat of, of an output of the business, right? It's, it's not going to the core of it. So if you, if you purely try and on a financial basis to analyze what's going right or wrong in the business, you, you sort of you need to double click much deeper. And I think we'll talk a lot about product, um, which is hugely important um, later on in, in the session. So it's sort of having, having kind of moving away from a singular focus on financials and actually looking at product and sales and operations and all of the other parts of the business on board level is, is, is hugely important. Yeah, you mentioned something that I'm actually telling my team um, uh, a lot, uh, uh, which is we should focus on the leading indicators, not the lagging indicators. And revenue, bookings, even cost items are by nature lagging indicators. They are the result of something you do. Um, so try to find out in your business 
what's leading. And, and, and uh, so is it, for example, I mean, we, we will, I guess, talk about it in, in, in at a later point, but is it, I mean, is it the signups you're having in your product? Is it uh, uh, certain um, engagement KPIs that you see? Um, and and if, you, if you know your leading indicators, those conversations become very, very different. Yeah. And those, those, are the, those, those are the hard things. Those are the painful questions sometimes It's to hard ask. work, yeah. So I think having talked a little bit about your journey and, and the partnership between investors and, and, and the company, um, I want to talk about some of the lessons that you've learned as well. And I think those will be lessons that, that are important to, to hear for other CEOs and leaders who are, who are watching this series. So I'd like to start a bit with, with a growth mindset. So you've, as we said, we've, you've come into this business you know, 15 months ago. Um, and now, how, how, are you, how are you finding it to, to establish this growth mindset into a company, to really rally the troops around, you know, this is, this is where we're going and this is what we want to do? Because that, that's, not an, that's not an easy thing. Yes. I mean, first of all, Xempus, uh, at no point up until today, Uh, and probably also not in the near future will ha have had any growth problems in a sense, right? I mean, this business is growing with a CAGR of 100% plus, as you know, um, which is quite phenomenal for that size of the business that, that we have um, already. It's not a small company. It's not a startup anymore, right? It's already fairly uh, significant. Um, and And... So, in, in a situation like that, it is mostly about um, what to do and what not to do. Um, and uh, uh, we had many good dis discussions and then subsequently decisions um, in the last 12 months um, around uh, our strategy uh, and, and, and what are some of the next growth opportunities that we want to tap into. Um, and it's, in my view, very, very important to take the time and, and kind of look at that. When you have a great product, what is your next adjacent growth product that you do want to develop when the first one is still kind of doing well? If, if you are in a certain market, what are the next markets that you potentially want to grow into? Um, and, and the ability to actually stand back for a moment and, and, and get that overview from a product perspective, from a market perspective, which is ultimately growth, um, is super, super important. Um, we have done that uh, at Xempus um, uh, um, pretty much after I started uh, and we then made some very clear decisions what to do, what, where to develop and what not to do. Um, and, and this is, I guess, similar to any size of the company. You have, to, you have a couple chips you can, you can place. Um, but when you do that, you want to really, really try to know as much as possible about where to place it and how much to place. So again, about focus, really. It's, it's focus at the end, but it, 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 for, for, for good focus and decisions, you need to have as much information as possible. Um, that's what we did. It took a while. It was um, a process that involved many people in 
uh, in the company at, at all levels. We also discussed our thoughts with outside industry experts, with you and with other of uh, members uh, in, in our board. Um, and finally actually decided on a cadence of product developments and a cadence of market developments. Um, and, and that's, I, I, I mean, that's what companies probably should do. Um, what I've seen in the past, when you are in a certain growth track, you just sometimes don't take enough time to kind of think about this. Um, and, and that's an advice I would have, even in your most successful months and quarters, take time out of your business um, sit down, uh, look at the overall market, the environments, um, make sure that you know where the company is heading, that you potentially can still course correct. And so you've talked about product quite a bit in this uh, section and, and, and unsurprisingly so because you're a product specialist. I'd, I'd love to kind of double click on that a bit and, and just understand a bit how you see that great products drive drive growth really. Because on the one hand you'll you'll have some businesses with you know, teams that have operational ex excellence and they are their machines in just scaling, scaling products and, you know, sort of driving growth with that. But if you, if you could choose one sort of a, a fantastic product versus operational excellence and, and sort of an execution machine, what, what, what is it? Where do you, where do you start? I'm, I'm sure you probably already guessed the answer. Um, it's, it's, of course, it's both. Uh, and of course, uh, um, uh, you should, I mean, you need to find a good balance between um, developing a, a product and developing it fast, but still make sure it's actually, it actually it's, it's, it works, right? Um, the, in the world of product, what, um, and with product we mean in this case obviously technological products, um, you always have to start with the user with um, the consumer uh, of the product. Uh, and, and that may, I mean, for, for most of you, that may be a logical thing, but uh, it, for example, at Xempus, the user of the product isn't the one who pays for it. Uh, the insurers pay for it because we basically create this activity on our platform that is interesting to insurers. Um, but the ones who are working with the product are agents, corporates, employees. Um, and as you can imagine, there is, there is a conflict yeah, in this a setup, lot of tension in it. Right? Because an insurer would potentially come back and tell you, look, I pay for this. I think it should look like this. Um, and then you as a company have to come back and say, no, I mean, I can... Oh, thank you for your input. That's what you should probably say. Thank you for your input. And, and I have some good evidence because this is how I am observing the users on the platform. And I can tell you um, this is information that you should know. And then probably um, from there on you, you, you build the, the, the roadmap jointly or at least you can explain it. Um, and in, in a situation like that, um, you have to deal with this conflict, and, uh, um, but ultimately you will be paid for the success you have in, for, for the users. 
Uh, and one advice clearly I have, you can never build a product against your users. Um, because th this is an uphill battle. Um, you may be able to be successful in, in the early innings by just having a great sales team and they can, they can just go out and sell something that isn't perfect or optimal. But over time, as you grow, this will become impossible. So um, the, the, these type of developments, these type of conflicts um, is something that, that corporates have to deal with and companies like us have to deal with. Um, but it's solvable. It just needs effort. Sure. And it's, it's obviously you, you have to strike the right balance between having a vision for the business and then listening to what users want, right? But ultimately, you just have to start with the user. That's, right. that's the key. Right. Now, we're entering a period of more economic uncertainty now, um, and the next 12 months will look vastly different than the last 12 months. Um, in, in our industry and in, in our space, the, the growth at all cost mindset has been very prevalent in, in lots of businesses and in, in for lots of investors as well um, over the last 12 months, and that's been fueled by you know, zero interest rate environments, and, and all of that is, is over to some extent now. And so I'd love to talk a little bit about um, how do you find the right balance between you know growth and profitability and you know profitable growth uh, looking at capital efficiency in a business and, and 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 how to how to kind of move move the car into the right direction uh, as you will as you're driving it so as you can uh, uh, as you know and from, uh, i think in, in specifically in environments like this you need to have as many conversations as possible, as early as possible with your investors, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I think this is, this is important in all times, but in this time specifically, um, try to actually sit down with your investors and also understand a little bit, I mean, what are their constraints? What are their view on the business? Because if you are not yet profitable, and I think this is the case for many of the growth companies, um, uh, you better want to be aligned on that front. Um, I, in our case, obviously, um, we, we have a path to profitability that was laid out even before times had changed, right? We had had these discussions um, already uh, 15 months ago and we subsequently just kind of executed on that plan. But I do understand that in other companies, there has been a much bigger focus on growth at all costs, as you call it, that needs to be corrected now. Um, ultimately, I think everybody needs to be able to kind of show that path to profitability, otherwise you are a charity. Um, uh, and if you have to accelerate that, because you may not be able to fundraise, at, at the same level or speed that in, 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 in previous years, it is super important to actually make that correction fast um, and, and uh, uh, make it basically with your investors um, and, 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 and with their advice. So, I, I, I mean, it's, in my case, it's a third downturn. Um, so you can see I'm a little bit older already. So it's a third downturn after 2000. One in 2008 and now 2022. Um, but I can also tell you, uh, 
survived all three, and my company survived all three, and and and. Uh, and uh, in a downturn, there is always opportunity as well. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's been often cited that great companies have been um, built in very frugal times. Um, and uh, scarcity brings clarity. It's another very, very famous quote that I really, really like. Um, so also see this as an opportunity to kind of really make sure you know where you want to head and then cut off what they potentially um, just be a distraction. I think it's, it's, it's great advice and, and there'll be plenty of viewers who are, who are listening to us, who are aspiring leaders or, or running their own companies, um, CEOs. Um, is, is there sort of a single piece of advice that you would say, having navigated this, these downturns, um, that you would say this, this is the one thing that you need to focus on? Because as you say, it focuses everything and, and there's, there's lots of distractions and you have to talk to the market, but at the same time, you're, you're running a business. Um, you're managing your stakeholders, you're managing your, your board, your, your shareholders, ultimately. Is there one piece of advice that you yeah. would give to somebody who might have not had the, the pleasure of going through many, many crises before? <laughs> not sure if it's a pleasure, by the way, but uh, the one advice I have, um, and, and, and I think this is the most important thing for you as a leader, a CEO, a founder in these environments is you have to take as much time as possible to explain to your employees and to make sure that not only your board is involved, but that literally your employees and everybody who are working with you every day understand what's going on. Um, in, a, in, an, in, a, in, a, in an environment where everything goes well and to the right and to the up, um, um, you can potentially, potentially, I doubt that by the way, um, get away by not communicating on everything. Um, you definitely don't get away with this in crisis times. Um, so my advice is always over communicate, but in these times over, over, over communicate in the sense of that you appreciate the uncertainty that you may or may not have all the answers, you probably don't, but um, that, you, that you are obviously um, working hard with everybody involved to kind of find the right answers um, and, and make sure that the employees and your partners are able to kind of ask all questions um, and just acknowledge the fact that, that people are sometimes scared about stuff like that, especially when you read about layoffs uh, in mm -hmm. the tech world every day now. Um, and be honest, be honest and be, be, be early in the way you communicate. Um, you read a lot about like these technical and financial advices in downturn, downturn times. Just looking at the last three crises I went through, um, this is what, what I think is the most important thing you need to do as a leader because you are leading the company, you are the CEO, the people look at you for your reaction and for, for your explanation. So transparency and, and honesty is critical. Couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Great. Perhaps 
one of the things we haven't spoken about yet is um, to get a little bit into the nitty-gritty of um, you know, kind of building a growth company and, and managing it, some of the tools that you can use. And I know you're a big proponent of this. You've, you've done tons of work in, in Xempus and in, in your previous companies on this. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about some of the actual um, elements of, of toolkits that you can bring in, methodologies um, that, are, that are well established in the industries and, and how you've weighed up some of the different potential methodologies in your past and what you've seen and what works and what doesn't. Yeah, I mean, the great, the great thing about technology is obviously it usually um, provides you with limitless data and, and, and ways to kind of slice and dice the business and the activities. Um, the problem with technology is that you can probably spend the entire week and the entire month behind your screen looking at data. And, and uh, so one of the things I learned specifically in my years in travel, which was, I mean, a very fast growing and still is a very fast growing industry that um, obviously it's very, very competitive, um, is you need to spend a lot of time really being out there talking to your users. Mm -hmm. And this may be, this may sound trivial for, for one or for the other, but I must say in all environments I've worked at, we, there was always opportunity to do even more work with users. So in examples, one of the things we do now that we haven't probably done in the years before I joined is I'm asking everyone to have constant communications with the ones on the platform. And that includes engineers. Mm -hmm. And that includes product people, of course. That includes marketing people. Um, but you, you would be surprised, I mean, how little conversations happen in technology companies with the platform users in general. And I do appreciate the fact that it's hard sometimes for an engineer to actually sit in an interview uh, because by, by their nature they are sometimes more introvert people. And they say, I just want to sit behind my laptop and code. I get it. But the, the insights you're able to generate by just constantly listening to your users, discussing the, the output, tell them, look, I, I mean, we, we, we talked two weeks ago. I, I listened. This is a mock-up we have produced from that conversation. Did I understand this correctly? Is this helping you? Um, uh, this is pure gold. And, and this is the advice I have. Um, come behind, come behind your laptop and come off your laptop and actually have these conversations, um, and you'll just see engagement go up and you see your product improving. Lots of companies, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And what happens is once you build this siloed organization where the development team develops and the market team, marketing team markets and there's no, no conversation in between, I think you start to have people drift apart further in a way where 
it's very hard to, to work on one platform and, and to build one product that, that makes sense. And, and so I, I'm, I'm entirely with you. Only very, huge. very few companies get this right. I actually it's probably can count them on one hand, to be honest. Great. Is there any maybe counterintuitive advice that, or lessons that you've, that you've learned over time where you think it's, it's not the obvious thing to do, you're going against the grain, but actually really this is, this is the uncomfortable thing to do in a business um, that, has, that has really made a huge impact and, and, and driven growth in my company? Yeah, it probably relates a bit to what we discussed before. I mean, um, I, it may sound counterintuitive to some people in times where, where, where a company is growing really, really fast and where all signals are green to make sure that you pause for a moment and reflect on is it the right path we're going, um, look back and actually make sure that you have still everybody on the bus from your employee perspective. This is, this is something I can, I mean, I've seen in all growth environments, clearly as you, like with Xempus, this is a company that grows 100% year over year. Um, just make the math, if you have a few people um, that have been with you three, four years ago, they have started in a very, very different environment than, than you are in right now. Are these people still with you? Um, uh, um, do you listen to those people enough, right? Um, and this may sound counterintuitive in sometimes where people say, oh, oh, it's working all well and we shouldn't, we should, I mean, let's go, 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 go. Where I'm, my advice would be, it's good to actually pause for sometimes, even in the greatest times, and, 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 and make sure that you reflect on the success and understand the drivers of the success. Again, it's this input-output, leading, lagging. Um, uh, obviously, in good times, you'd sometimes just focus on the lagging things and not on the leading things. Sure, and as the, as the environment and as the business scales, you know, it becomes more multidimensional, right? We're, we're starting with Xempus to move from a, from a one-product company to a multi-product company. You know, it's, there, there's many um, different growth levers and dimension where it's, where it's growing. So the complexity is increasing as well. So I couldn't agree more. You need to make sure that you have everybody around this, this one mission as well. Mm -hmm. and, and, and everybody knows which way we're going, even though the avenues are now starting to sort of open up in, in many, many different ways. Right. So we've covered a lot of ground um, on, on the journey so far with Xempus, and, and I'd like to move a little bit into the future. What are you most excited about Xempus for the next 12 months or so? Yeah, we touched on the fact that um, obviously uh, Xempus is developing from a one product company to a multi-product company and from, a, from one territory to multiple territories. Um, we, I think explained that the, the problem we are solving here at Xempus isn't a German problem, it's a global problem. And, and what we have done in Germany, um, specifically around the user journeys 
um, explaining pension gaps and, and what to basically do to solve pension gaps is something that we can deploy in other countries and regions as well. Um, ultimately, we are in a very regulated market, uh, uh, but, but still um, some of these um, overlays on the infrastructure um, um, are applicable for, for, for various markets. So that's an exciting time for us um, because all of a sudden we can see that stuff that we've learned in Germany is helping people in other countries as well. The second thing is one product to multi-product, which I which is even more tangible for us right now that we have launched corporate health and that we're working on corporate income. Um, uh, always the underlying thesis is if you do these insurance products, protection um, in a corporate environment and in, in basically a community environment, um, you can just create a lot better products right then then if you would kind of um, do this on an individual basis and this these are two very exciting developments for us and we are uh, seeing obviously that we're making the first uh, uh, inroads into it and then and, and we're, we're successful in deploying this strategy to the market that that does excite me right Clearly, we talked also about focus, mm -hmm. and what you see here is we're increasing complexity, yeah. right? Um, and we uh, have to be careful as a company that we're watching whether we are indeed fulfilling what we've said we would do. Um, uh, and and uh, but if if we're able to do that, then um, uh, we will actually have. A very different company in two to three years than what we have today. And and so you talked about the the complexity aspect of it. if you had to put your finger on sort of the single biggest challenge that you'll you'll be facing, and some of them you won't know until until you you face them unfortunately. But I know you're you're planning ahead well in advance. Would would it be around kind of the complexity and then kind of a growing organization with multiple products and multiple geographies, um, or is there is there any other things that you know, make you stay up at night. You may, so in your question is one important word that is organization slash team. Um, the one thing that I've learned over the years is that you, or the one thing where where a development like that can really really break, is if you're not creating an organization, a team that can actually scale. What I mean with this is from one product to multiple products, from one country to multiple countries, the current setup as a company doesn't work anymore by nature, right? You cannot, you, you, no one in, in, in the current leadership team can be an expert in all countries or for all products. So what you need to be able to do is to find the right talent, which is difficult in itself. But then you also have to make sure that the processes within your organization are scaling as well, that you are delegating authority, that you are moving decisions to the lowest possible level. Mm -hmm. 
um, if you're not able to do this as a company because you're, you create bottlenecks and, and this is the biggest risk in situations like that when you when you're diversify, that you're not diversifying your decision-making and your leadership style. That makes a lot of sense. And I think I've heard you talk about in the past how, how growth isn't linear in, in any way. And I think that ties in quite nicely with, with what you're saying here. You know, you've, you've created a blueprint for something that clearly works. Um, and to some extent, it's about replicating that blueprint, as you say, with new products and, and new geographies. But in order to really um, make this work, it, it can't just be a copy and paste of something which creates enormous, you know, complexities around headcount and, and blowing up an organization but actually you have to find a way where you can accelerate growth and kind of find this flywheel around around your organization where going from zero to one takes x amount of time but then going from one to two takes you know y amount of time and y is always smaller than x and so how, how do you how do you see about i want to just touch on, on the kind of linear aspect or non-linear aspect of growth with you yeah i mean uh, it is exactly like that. I mean, the growth um, you see as a company is obviously a constant. Um, it's, a, it's, it's an equation, basically, of, of constantly trying out, finding ways to, that, that work for your users. And, and then, obviously, you need to be able to monetize that. Um, and, 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 I mean... In almost all cases I've seen in the past, I mean, you don't get it right in the first place. Um, and, and you need to be able to fail fast um, and course correct, even if this means that you potentially um, yeah, let go of uh, ideas that you have invested money and, 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 and blood and tears and sweat. Uh, so the the idea really is to constantly kind of innovate around growth, um, but also be able to challenge yourself. And we touched on this in, 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 over the last half, half hour or so, that um, there, is, there is a need for you as a leader and, and, and with your leadership team and with the entire company to be able to constantly openly discuss how things go. And, and and, and be able to kind of change the course where it's needed. And ultimately, if you do that, then your growth curve doesn't look linear anymore, right? That's, that's the logical outcome. Um, so this would be, this is the way I look at growth. Um, it, 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 it is usually just uh, to, a, to a large degree also trial and error and you need to kind of acknowledge that. Couldn't agree more. Perhaps to step back a little bit from from your own business, and um, you know you're a lover of technology and and, and products. Are there any um, anything that you're seeing in the market, any developments um, that really excite you for the future? Um, we've had tremendous advances in technology that are all being put into place into businesses like Sampus now. Um, you know we're we're seeing more advances in within machine learning and then Web three and all tons of tons of things that are happening that are sort of maybe disconnected from the economic environment that we find ourselves in. Are there any exciting technology advances, advances that you, you expect to take advantage of uh, over the future? Um, I think I see two general trends um, that I, I really like. Uh, first of all, I think 
there's more and more companies um, understanding that usage and, 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 and user-based product development is the recipe for success, right? Um, and, and disruptors of certain industries or products or um, procedures or whatsoever, um, they are more and more just taking the eyes of the user and of the consumer and they're building great products around that. Um, this I just find fantastic in itself because I, I mean look at your day-to-day -day life I mean how, how are you using technology today so so many things just become, become so easy and so intuitive right and but but the thing is this is this is hard hard work as we all know right making things easier letting uh, um, yeah making it less complex is, is a lot of work so so this is one thing that excites me um, the other thing that excites me is data uh, and, and uh, the, 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 the amount of data we are able to kind of generate with technology and how to use this data in a meaningful way for the user, for the consumer, right? Um, in our case, I'll make an example. Um, obviously, we are doing thousands and thousands of consultations um, for pension on our platform. And we're collecting lots of interesting data around that. What it allows me to do is that I can tell any specific person today, knowing what job that person have, or whether they have kids or not kids, whether they're married or not married, what age they have, where they live. We can give some general advice already that helps them frame the problem. We could say, to be as someone of your age, with this background, married with kids, um, usually does this. And, and, and then you have a starting point in a very complex problem that you can relate to. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, you can, you can actually make choices based on, on this information. So if information is collected and used meaningful, it can help reduce complexity and it can help make decisions faster. And, and this is also a way of building better products. So these two things are exciting me and I can see them working every day in some way, shape or form. That's great. And I can, I can tell um, you've, you've got the passion for it. And, and ultimately, it always boils down to um, what's a better experience for the user, right? As you say, the use of data will yeah. ultimately make the user experience 10 times better and, and they'll understand what they're doing. And, and that's great. Well, thanks very much, Tobias, for being here. It's been a huge pleasure for me. Thank you for sharing some of the wisdom from, from your career. Um, there's plenty of exciting things ahead on the road. So um, at TempoCab, we're really excited to be an investor in Xampus and be along for the journey uh, with you and the rest of the team. Thank you for having me and uh, thank you for TempoCab's trust in Xampus. If you want to find out more about Tobias and Xampus, please visit the website at xampus.com and check out their LinkedIn. TempoCap Growth Stories shall return soon with a new episode with more exciting content from leaders in our portfolio. In the meantime, if you want to listen to more content, please visit our website, sign up to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn.
You've been listening to TemperCap Growth Stories, a Maledro Digital production. Find out more about TemperCap at tempercap.com and subscribe to the TemperCap Growth Stories podcast for more fascinating interviews with tech leaders.